Live from the 607, it's the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour, where we're talking sports locally and nationally. Join the conversation on our social media with the hashtag ODPH, because here we go. Welcome to another edition of the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour podcast. I am your host, Ken M. Sitting across me this week, as always, it's Padawan J. Hello, hello, hello. Folks, Coach Duffy could not make it in the studio this week. We have rumor that he is down around Madison Square Garden trying to get into the Knicks draft room. I can see that happen. To make some moves happen for Thursday night. We are still not giving up on hope that Zion comes to the Knicks. But we will get into that later. Because right now we got to start getting into the biggest sports topics of the week. Join in the conversation on our social media. Hit us up with that hashtag, hashtag ODPH, because we have a lot to discuss. No bigger sports story going on right now, though, than the NBA Finals recap ramifications. Mm-hmm. The aftermath, however you want to define it. An amazing series, quite controversial in its own right Yeah, with how it happened. But Toronto did defeat Golden State in a pivotal mm-hmm. game six. Had you got the score and stats for that? Yep. So the final score ended up being 114 to 110. Of course, uh, Toronto taking the series to win the NBA Finals in their first NBA championship. Uh, looking at the box score, uh, Sakayim had 26 points. Uh, Kawhi Leonard had 22 points. Kyle Lowry had 26 points. And then uh, Van Fleet had 22 points coming off the bench. So big critical points there. Uh, on the flip side, you had 22 points from Andre Iguodala. Looney had 21 points. Uh, Steph Curry had 30 points. Or no, excuse me. Uh, Clay Thompson had 30 points. 21 points from uh, Steph Curry. Looney only had six points. Sorry, reading that a little wrong there. But no, yeah. Congratulations to Toronto. We the North running through the six. You know, whatever you want to put it. You know, they finally got a chip. This is absolutely great to see. So congratulations to Toronto. But albeit though very controversial on how they did it mm-hmm. because you have to hang an asterisk by this game because of crucial injuries that yeah. happened. Yeah. Kevin Durant went down and Clay Thompson went down. Clay Thompson game. went down and then Curry was also not 100% for the entire thing. Right. So obviously with these injuries happening, obviously losing Kevin Durant when they did was crucial. So it was mm-hmm. really interesting to see how Golden State was going to try coming back in this. And Clay Thompson was really stepping up to the challenge. Yeah. And I have to say, if he was still healthy during this game, mm-hmm. that they would have won. I think Golden State would have gone and pushed this to seven. Well, and what's the thing you kept seeing all day, no matter what sports morning show you were watching? They were all talking, and even the pregame show, talking about Game 6 Clay. And you look at his history in Game 6, it's, it's kind of like if you watched Game of Thrones and it's the final episode, or the, the penultimate episode of Game of Thrones. You know, for the first six seasons or whatever it is, where like if you're a fan of Game of Thrones, you know those first six seasons or however many it is. Like, okay, second to last episode, stuff's going to hit the fan. It's going to get nuts. Clay Thompson, Game 6, it's going to get nuts. Right. He stepped up to the challenge because obviously with a devastating loss to Kevin Durant mm-hmm. that somebody really needed to step up. And he was doing it. And then when he just came down and hurt his ankle and knee on that, I yeah. mean, that was just the telling point that Toronto – Definitely took advantage of the situation right. as, as they should, right. but you hated seeing that because yeah. you have to sit here and look at this series and go, if Colton State was completely healthy, how would this have truly gone? Mm-hmm. And it's debatable. You you can say Toronto probably would have pushed it to seven. I don't. Yeah. I, don't I wouldn't struggle yeah. saying that. Yeah. But when Clay went down, that whole game changed, and that definitely played into Toronto's favor. 
because right there you put all the pressure on Steph Curry to show up. And, you know, Fred Van Vliet on the other side of the court for mm-hmm. Toronto had a monster game and hitting late buckets when they needed to. Well, and I think that was something everybody watching the game was saying, you know, once Clay Thompson left the game because of an injury. You know, I know I was thinking it and saying it. I was like, all right, Toronto, you got no Kevin Durant, you got no Clay Thompson, you got Steph Curry on that floor and Andre Iguodala and Draymond Green. Like, that's not – which that's the other thing I want to kind of get to in a minute. But – you know, you look at it and go, all right, Toronto, you got to take advantage of this because you're if, if you go to game seven, you're not going to get another opportunity like this to close this thing out. The thing I did want to mention, though, how weird is it that what was the big conversation we were having like when the season started was how crazy is this Golden State roster? They're going to run through everybody. This is a video game roster. This is absurd. And then you look at the, you look at the final games and kind of who was ultimately on the court at the end of that. Okay, yeah, DeMarcus Cousins was there, but he really wasn't that much of a No, he was a non-factor. He was a non-factor. Kevin Durant injured and didn't play. Klay Thompson, yeah, he was there, but he was injured and didn't make the floor. So, like, the, the starting All-Star 5 we were talking about, by and large, really wasn't there. And that's a really good point you bring up, Pat, because at the beginning of the season, yeah, we were all saying when DeMarcus Cousins signed, it was a wrap. Yeah. And it was going to be done. Because you don't want to think about injuries happening to change the course of the direction for the teams. Obviously, what happened with Golden State, and this is the first time we really see them be bit by the injury bug. So, and this, yeah, they've really been bit by, well, and I, I think kind of goes to the tread and the tires because you look at LeBron the last couple of years, and, and you know, not to knock the guy, but like he's been to how many, he went to how many straight NBA finals? It was like eight or something like that. That's a lot of tread and the tires to be playing from. You know, whatever they do in training camp in September, August, whatever it is, to the regular season starting in October to playing through mid to late June. And then you factor in the couple of years where he was playing in the Olympics Mm. and playing to August or whatever it was. That's a lot of tread in the tires. And, yeah, this was the Golden State Warriors, what, fifth straight uh, NBA Finals appearance or fourth straight or something like that? I mean, they were going for the three-peat. Yeah, they they were going. It was like however many straight finals appearances I you know not to kind of knock against them but I think it was just like you said treading the tires it could be and obviously the wear and tear definitely finally caught up to Golden State and it's it's a very two-sided to see this because on one aspect you were thinking okay maybe we're going to have another three-peat happen yeah. and you know the legacy being cemented because now they're going to their brand new arena mm-hmm. and like we've been saying on the show for weeks the team that you saw this year is probably not going to be the same that you're going to see play there next year no so that being said, there's a lot of questions happening now because Clay Thompson definitely did some uh, MCL or ACL tear. I, I yeah. can't remember exactly, but he's going to be out. It's an ACL. Enti- it's, well, no, he, it's an ACL. He's not going to be out the entire year. He's uh, From what I was reading in the days after the injury, he is looking at at least January or February before he's even able to start thinking about coming back. Right. So this is going to be a huge impact on mm-hmm. Golden State and what they want to do going into free agency. Well, and the thing with free agency is where's Clay going? Where's Clay going? Where's Clay going? Clay's father has said, and Clay has made this made this known. If Golden State offers him the max contract, he's staying. And why would he leave? I mean, you have to look at this from the aspect of okay, Golden State has done a tremendous job building the juggernaut that is their current roster right now. Mm-hmm. You factor in they added Kevin Durant late. Yeah, it's not the core team of right. You know, Steph Curry, Thompson, and Green. Yeah. They're still arguably going to have the nucleus next year. We don't know what's going to happen with Kevin Durant. It's one of those weird instances where you you have a team minus Kevin Durant, and they're still a very, very, very good team. Mm-hmm. One of the best. You add in Draymond or not Draymond Green, excuse me, uh, Kevin Durant, and they just get instantly better. Okay, you lose Draymond Green. They're still not that bad, right? I would still take you know Durant, 
Curry, and Thompson over a lot of other starting threes. Right, and that's the question that they're going to have to answer going into the season because, like I said, this is like a twofold answer because at one point you definitely want to see the legacy be cemented, and I know the debate's been happening. I've been seeing it pop up on social media a lot mm-hmm. that it was this Golden State team better than the Chicago Bulls of the Jordan-led yeah, era. Different times, different era. Exactly. And that is another discussion for another time because you do not want to hear my answer, Golden State, by a long shot. But going into this, this is probably the closest we've seen to a dynasty in the yeah. current modern NBA era. It's it's the most dominant team that we've seen in a long time. Right. So that being said, their future is very up in the air. Like we mm-hmm. said, Kevin Durant got hurt in Toronto, so he sat out there for this game. Klay Thompson got hurt for this game six, so obviously a lot of pressure was on Steph Curry to finish out. But you flip the coin to Toronto, mm-hmm. and they definitely started hearing the, I don't want to say choke conversation, yeah. but but I know it started creeping in a little bit because yeah. if they had lost this game and they were pushing seven to Toronto, yeah. that would have just been out of control. Well, and that's the thing you kind of, it's kind of like whenever you're playing the New England Patriots or any dominant sports team, like give them an inch and they'll take a mile. Mm-hmm. If, if you don't keep you know, your foot on the gas pedal when you're playing against Golden State and you've got a lead on them or you've got, you know, however many game, games ahead of them in a series, best of seven series, you got to keep going. You got to keep pressing because if you give them an inch, man, they're going to come back and burn you. And it came close, but, you know, Toronto ended up pulling it out. Yeah, and especially too late because we don't, for, don't forget about when Toronto was up late, DeMarcus Cousins started coming alive a little bit. Steph yep. Curry started yep. hitting some shots. And when they got down to that turnover with Danny Green, I don't know what he was doing throwing that ball late Yeah, with, like, about six seconds left. And then they put the, sh- the ball in Steph Curry's hand, and Steph missed it. Yeah. Okay. One of the rare times. One of the rare times. So you can't really fault him on that. No. Because Toronto, albeit, they did give them a, a challenge, and they almost gave the game away. Mm-hmm. But they willed it to win. Like I said, Fred Van Vliet had one of the best games he's had. Oh, yeah. Siakam stepped yeah. up late. Danny Green had a great game. This is where they needed the Toronto to have their role players step up because if they were relying on Kawhi, mm-hmm. it wasn't going to get done. No. But now Toronto has done the unthinkable, so to speak, because when we heard Kawhi was getting traded to Toronto, did anybody have Toronto pegged to win the chip? I had him pass. I had him getting there just because. Okay, you he had Boston was looking really good. You had Philly was looking really good. You figured Milwaukee would be good, and they exceeded expectations swimmingly. Oh yeah. But I figured they might get there, but I didn't think they'd win. No, I didn't think they would win either. I thought they would hang, and they definitely would hang tough. But. This is also an uncertain year because this is the first time in a long time LeBron has not been in the finals. This is true. And this has also been the first time that he's left the Eastern Conference. Mm -hmm. So who knew who was going to win out of that? Yeah, no, we were saying in the start of the season it was wide open. Absolutely. And then now you take a look at Kawhi Leonard, who was, I don't want to say ran out of San Antonio, but definitely it was a messy divorce there. Yeah, yeah. Knew his body and said, okay, I'm going to sit out. I'm not 100%. He took Mm -hmm. his chances going to Toronto. Mm -hmm. Now, win, lose, or draw, what happens in free agency, he is a legend up there. Oh, he's a hero. He is. Because he brought them the first basketball championship in franchise history. Oh, so you talk about it a lot with like the Kevin Durant or the Kyrie Irvings possibly coming to the New York and the Knicks. Like the same can be said for Kawhi Leonard in Toronto. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, okay, they won the uh, World Series back in the '90s with Joe Carter and the in the Toronto Blue Jays. But out after that, they haven't had anything. Like the the Raptors have never won an NBA title before now. You know, so it's almost it's almost the same thing where he's a hero. Like he goes to anywhere in Toronto for the rest of his life, and they recognize him. He's not paying for dinner. Oh no, absolutely not. So he has a big question now happening in free agency too, 
does he stay or does he go? Now, Pad, let me pose that question to you. Mm-hmm. What do you think he does? I think he stays. I think if they had a, a successful season but they didn't get it all, he might have looked elsewhere and seen what what he could have gotten and who maybe who he could have teamed up with. But I think he, he looks at what he's got going on there. And if the ownership can say, listen, we can keep the core element of this team around you and only get better with signing some guys and drafting some guys, I think they can make it very enticing for him to stay. See, this is where I said this is going to be a double-edged sword for Golden State because now obviously they didn't win the – the dynasty is now opens the doors for other teams to take advantage, so to speak. Oh, the West is wide open. The West year. is going to be wide open, and Kawhi definitely plays a factor in that mm-hmm. if he wants to go West. Now, that is a debatable question. If I was him, I would stay at Toronto, but I wouldn't sign a max deal. I'd sign two years with a player option because at that case, you look at what you're going to have with Toronto. And it's very tough to repeat in any sport, go back-to-back. It's more grueling than I think a lot of people realize, no matter how talented your team is. Mm -hmm. The East is only going to get better in this free agency, and we're going to talk about free agency a little bit later in the show. Mm -hmm. But for Kawhi, I think it makes more sense for him to stay in Toronto for at least two years. Yeah, See what Toronto's got, because I know that they might be losing a couple players here and there to free agency. It's not to say they can't go recruit players to come up there, but when you have now made your legacy, so to speak, by winning the chip in Toronto, Leonard has a lot more power about who he can bring into the team and what he can kind of work with the organization to really build up there if he wants to. I know the only other option I've really heard that is enticing to him is to go to the L.A. Clippers. Yeah. He, I, he, from what I understand, he lives in Southern California, and Southern California is kind of his, his favorite place to live. But let me ask you this. Would he want to go out there seeing how they moved Blake Griffin around and kind of dismantled what they did with that team? Not to say that they're not going to be a team on the rise, but you kind of have to look at the big picture about that. And it's a debatable question. Now, could I see him going out there? Sure. But I guess what I would say is if you could be the so-called king of the north to borrow from Game of Thrones, Mm -hmm. why would you leave your throne to go battle with everybody in the West? Because the Western Conference now is going to be wide open because I I, I fear that Golden State – is not going to make the finals next year. I, I get the very good feeling that Golden State might not even make the playoffs. No, they'll make the playoffs. I think they make the playoffs, but I think they're a lower seed because I think the competition in the West is going to step up. Mm-hmm. I think, unfortunately for them, the dynasty that we've seen built over the past few years, and you have to give tip the caps to the organization. Absolutely. And what Steve Kerr and Mark Jackson, let's not forget he was coach when this all was starting too. Yeah, one year, one year off. Yep, built this whole monster that was in Southern California. Now, with them going to San Francisco and the new building, it's going to be a completely different team. Mm-hmm. Where that goes from here is going to be really interesting because they're going to have Steph Curry. He will be back next yep. year. Yep. Draymond, we would assume, will be back. Clay Thompson is going to be out for arguably the season. Yeah. Arguably. Arguably. Durant, if he comes back to Golden State, is out for the season. I don't think he comes back. Well, I'm, I'm saying if he Yeah, I know, back, no, yeah. but I. Well, I, whoever gets Kevin Durant be at Golden State, the Knicks. You know, even the Sacramento Kings. Like, he ain't playing next year. Right. That's where it's going to get really interesting to see because Golden State now is going to have to contend with a turned-over roster, and I think they'll contend. Like I said, I don't think they're going to be exactly the number one contenders, but you can't count them out. As long as Steph Curry is still healthy, he's still going to put up points. Draymond Green is still going to be the heart and soul of that team. Mm -hmm. Whatever that team looks like now in free agency is going to be really interesting. Yeah. But for Toronto, too. Where they go from here is going to be absolutely interesting, too, because if Kawhi decides to leave, 
It's a rebuilding process yet again, but he's made the lasting impact of the legacy up there, which proves that if you bring in a star player that has the championship pedigree that he does, anything can happen to a team and to a city because to see how the city rallied behind this team and take nothing away from what happened at the victory parade because that was an isolated incident. I'm not even referencing it. Mm-hmm. To see the reaction of those fans and from everybody from Drake to everybody that was at the parade. We'll say that dude, I forget, I forget on the gentleman's name, but he's been like a season ticket holder since like day one. Mm-hmm. Like how excited that guy is. Yeah, to see your, your franchise finally win a championship yeah. after how many years. Yeah. That's the true telltale of the championship win story. I just got to ask you one question. How do you feel about Jeremy Lin being an NBA champion before Carmelo? That is one of the wildest stats I have ever heard. Uh Insanity Uh started with the Knicks. Now he brought it to Toronto. What happens from here, I don't know, but hopefully he can send some of that championship karma back to New York next year because we will need it because we're going to start talking NBA free agency when we come back from break, but definitely let us know. Hit us up on that social media hashtag ODPH. What was your thoughts about the NBA Finals? What did you think about Toronto's win? Do you think it's tainted with an asterisk because of all the injuries? And where do you think Kawhi Leonard goes next season? We want to know. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Hey, this is the King of Lyle, Luke Visengard, Gladius 205 champion, and you're listening to the ODPH. Coming back for the second segment on this edition of the ODPH podcast. And I do have to apologize because in the last segment I was referring to Oakland and San Francisco as Southern California. It's Northern, actually. Mm. But I have Southern California on my head because the biggest NBA trade happened mm-hmm. for the Los Angeles Lakers since we've recorded. Yeah, I would say uh, thank you, Toronto Lake, Toronto, see, Toronto Lakers. So thank you, Los Angeles Lakers, for giving the Toronto Raptors all of, like, 24 hours to bask in the glory of their first NBA championship before you took the headlines back. Yeah, this is absolutely wild. It was rumored, and obviously, if you've heard of our, if you've heard our show before, we had a whole show devoted to how this was absolutely a bad idea when this was first coming out. Mm-hmm. And now it has happened. And it's even worse than before. Break it down for us, Pat. Holy cow. So uh, we were out on uh, Saturday, I believe it was, when this trade went down. And we were in the middle of, ironically, the Excite Wrestling show when this went down. And we couldn't believe it happened. Uh, Shout out to the guys over at Excite Wrestling. Great show. Uh, But the Los Angeles Lakers reached an agreement to acquire uh, three-time All-NBA forward Anthony Davis from the New Orleans Pelicans for three players and three first-round draft picks. Now, you you might be asking yourself, uh, who'd they send? I haven't heard about this one. Uh, they sent Lonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram, Josh Hart, and uh, th- and the picks, including the number four overall selection in this year's draft to the Pelicans, among others. Uh, you know, they were although they were able to hold on to Kyle Kuzma, but man, if that wasn't already wild enough, you hear more and more about this coming out, and it's like they didn't quite do their homework on this one. It, it's just messy because you've got now reports are coming out that the Lakers are trying to create more space to get another max salary. Although it's, if, if you watch uh, get up this morning on ESPN, it might not be because they want another player because Kev, like we said last segment, Kevin Durant's out for the year. Clay Thompson's out for till like January, February. So they're not getting either of them. Uh, they're not going to get Kawhi Leonard. They're not going to get Kyrie Irving. So after that, it's kind of like, a, who are you really? Is there really anybody else you're going to offer a max contract to? It might not be because they need another max contract. Uh, as I'm looking on Spotrack.com of the breakdown of the 
Los Angeles Lakers salary cap. Uh, they're on the books for LeBron James, Anthony Davis, if it goes through, Moritz Wagner, Kyle Kuzma, Isaac Bonga, and Jamario Jones. That's one, two, three, four, five, six players. Uh, I realize I'm not Coach Duffy, but yeah, to me, six players doesn't make an NBA roster. I wish we had Coach Duffy in studio. We're going to try getting him to do a blog reaction to this uh, because yeah. I don't think our words are going to do enough justice. This is absolutely crazy to me. Yeah. Because we had the drama last season where there was tampering. LeBron was saying he wanted help. Magic was trying to move everybody he could off that team to New Orleans. I mean, yeah, he was trying to do everything short of, like, offering up rental space in his home. Yeah, it was absolutely crazy what he was trying to do. Like, everybody on the entire roster was available except LeBron. And New Orleans didn't want to make the deal because they were trying to talk Anthony Davis and staying. Mm-hmm. Which I don't blame them because why, and I, I've said this before in past episodes, why are you trying to help your rival? Because ultimately, you if you're going to be uh, the Pelicans... Why would you try helping the Lakers when you could try sending him to the Eastern Conference where yeah. you wouldn't have to face him until the finals? I mean, it's the same reason when Brett Favre wanted out of Green Bay and wanted to go to Minnesota, they didn't do it. They sent him to the, the other conference and sent him to the Jets. Right, because it makes more sense to do. But obviously now, they finally did the deal. And the Lakers mm-hmm. have broken up their young nucleus, even though I, I will say, in my opinion, the Pelicans got the better end of the deal. Yeah, I'd say so. I mean, obviously, you have Lonzo Ball, who is emerging as a guard yeah. in the league. He's and, got some work to do, but he's emerging, right? But if he's going, all he's going to be doing is arguably throwing the ball up for Zion Williamson to do alley oops. I mean, mm-hmm. that's all he really needs to do. Yeah, Brandon Ingram has shown signs of being a potential star in the league. Yeah, albeit though, we haven't seen enough to really make that judgment call. Yeah, and Josh Hart, the other member of that uh, trade deal. Yes, thank you. I mean, obviously, he's going to be a good addition for that team because New Orleans, they definitely have a team that's going to be on the rise. They're young, and they're going to be up and down the court. And then you flip the side to LeBron, who finally has his star player. Right, and I mean, we as much as we're kind of crapping on this as a bad deal, yes, it is a bad deal because you're sitting here with six players on your roster that you're on the books for, and you, that's not very good at depth. I mean, you get one injury down, and all of a sudden, then you're signing some guy off the bench who maybe hadn't played in the last nine months for a veteran's minimum. You know, but at the same token, it's also a good thing because LeBron James is 34 years old. He's got more years behind him than he does ahead of him. Let's be realistic. You know, nothing against the man. He's a very good player, one of the best of all time. Top five, even maybe even top three. I got to think about who I'd put in that list. Mm-hmm. But he's got more years behind him than he does ahead of him. This is good for the Lakers because Anthony Davis is 26 years old. You can build around LeBron and you can try to win with LeBron now, but then you don't necessarily have that kind of, okay, LeBron retired, like where they were when Kobe retired. You know, okay, Kobe retired. What are we going to do now? They've got Anthony Davis who, okay, yes, he's got like one year left on his deal, but he's already come out and said he's going to re-sign with the Lakers after this next coming season. However long that is, that's going to be good for the future. So when LeBron retires – they're, the Lakers aren't going to be stuck going, all right, well, crap, what do we do now? We don't have anybody to build around. It's going to be an interesting play by the Lakers because you're right. I mean, Anthony Davis, if he does resign, now, until he actually does, I'm still going to put an asterisk by it. Yeah. But the Lakers have to feel very confident after giving up those three young players mm-hmm. plus three number one draft picks. Yeah. I mean, this this is the wild thing. And, and to me, it seems like 
they pulled the trigger a little too quickly on this. And I know Adrian Wojnarowski on ESPN, again, there's a clip on from Get Up on YouTube, if you pull it up, where he kind of goes into a little bit of description about this, where they, it sounds like the Lakers were almost afraid of, of losing him to somebody else. I know the, the Celtics name had been thrown out there, but he, he uh, reportedly Davis had told uh, the front office of the Boston Celtics, listen, if he comes to Boston, it's a one-year rental. He's not going to resign with you guys. So it almost, and obviously more happens behind the scenes than we hear about, but Maybe it was all just rumblings and maybe it was all just noise to spook the Lakers into doing this. Who knows? I'm not going to sit here and play conspiracy theorist. But, you know, it, it almost sounds like if the reports and what Woj has been saying that the Lakers almost got cold feet and were like, ah, we better do this before somebody steals them. Well, I'm sure that they have a lot of pressure to try making something happen. Oh, they absolutely do because, like we've said in the past, the Lakers are the New York Yankees or the Dallas Cowboys of the NBA. Win or your season's a failure. Right, and they do have the expectation extremely high, especially when you have LeBron there. Yeah. See, that's where the real telltale sign is because he is always used to having a team around him, or at least mm-hmm. one that one that can compete for the most part. I mean, or obviously one that can work with his skill set. Right. I mean, there's been a couple years in Cleveland that he's really overachieved with the teams there. Yeah. It's not a shot at the team. It's just stats, mm-hmm. let's be honest. Yeah. So, obviously, him coming last year – he was supposed to lead them back to prominence, and that did not happen. That turned into a very, very ugly situation mm-hmm. in its own right mm-hmm. that Magic Johnson obviously wound up leaving the organization because of it. And yep. and to see this move get pulled off, sure, if Anthony Davis can stay healthy, but he's had issues yeah. playing a full season yeah. since he's been in the league. If he can stay healthy and LeBron can still play at a high level with the amount of, we talked about, tread on the tires, so to speak, mm-hmm. and how many years he's been playing basketball since he came right out of high school. Yeah. He's not going to be the LeBron of old forever. No. Father time is no. still undefeated. He's going to start slowing down. Right. So who else are you going to build around? Now, you obviously kept Kyle Kuzma, which is a good move. Yeah, smart move. It's a very smart move because if I was New Orleans, I would make sure he was part of the deal. Yeah. And made that happen. But now, as it stands, you only have six players on your roster, so to speak. I was saying, I'm looking at the, again, this is the Spotrack breakdown of it. LeBron is obviously listed as a small forward. Davis is a power forward. Moritz Wagner is listed as a power forward. Kyle Kuzma is listed as a power forward. Bong is listed as a point guard. And then Jermario Jones is listed as a forward. Uh, Yeah, you need some help there. You need some help, so it's good. you're going to have to find it somewhere. So it's going to be interesting to see where you get this help from. And if you're trying to clear enough room for a th- another max player contract, good luck. Yeah, it's I don't see it happening. I mean, it could happen. You're asking me right now, do I see it happening? No, I don't. You're going to need to go get role players. They're going to sign for the league minimum, maybe a little higher, depending on how much cap space you can work around. Because obviously, looking at this roster as it stands right now. You're not ready to go. Well, see, I'm looking at, you know, Isaac Bonga is, again, listed as point guard. He's also 19 years old. You're going to tell me you're going to have a 19-year-old kid be your starting point guard for the L.A. Lakers? I'm sorry. I don't see it happening. I'm looking at some, you know, 2019 NBA free agents. Obviously, you know, the first one listed is Kyrie Irving. Well, that ain't happening. You've also got Goran Dragic, uh, Ricky Rubio, Kemba Walker. I mean, I could maybe see Ricky Rubio heading out there to play with him. Rubio would be a decent fit out there. But if Kyrie Irving goes out there, I... (laughs) I, I can give you a very short synopsis of this. You already played together in Cleveland. You guys couldn't stand each other mm-hmm. in Cleveland. Yeah. He had to take off and obviously bring down the dynasty you were building out there. Right. You're trying to tell me that it's going to be not the main focal point of everybody watching in L.A., like to see how you guys can play together if you right. can and what happens if you don't win. I mean, that's just a whole other media circus that I don't think he wants any part of. No. I don't think either player wants any part of it. No. With you. 
But then also looking at the other free agents, I mean, Kemba Walker would be a great addition. But he said his first priority is Charlotte. I mean, he's going to talk to other teams. but It almost seems like he's it's going to take a lot to take, get him out of Charlotte. And especially Charlotte has been rumored to try making some moves to go get uh, Kevin Love out of Cleveland to mm-hmm. balance out, which that would be a great addition for him there. Mm-hmm. So obviously the market is not exactly there, and I don't know if – Anybody is really jumping to go to L.A. No. I mean, I know Anthony Davis was because the rumor is either there or the Knicks, and the Lakers went all in, and they pushed all their chips to the center of the table. And the Knicks did not, which I'm okay with. I'm, I'll be very yeah. honest. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Because to get him to New York, I fear what that would have costed with the roster they have. Uh, everything they had, just minus some a few players in like 50% of the garden. Right, which, I mean, it would be interesting, but I think that they did the right move to kind of wait and see what they're going to get. Obviously, the Lakers did not, and that was their prerogative to do, and I don't blame them, but now <laughs> you sort of put a Band-Aid over one wound, and now you mm-hmm. got to get another one for another because yeah. – where do you go from here? It, it's going to be real tough to see. I mean, because then you look at it. I listed off all the positions of that they're on the uh, that they're on the uh, bills for. Uh, noticeable one missing center. They they ain't got a center now. Obviously, there's news that's been come out as Al Horford will not uh, exercise his option with the Boston Celtics. So it looks like Al Horford's going to be leaving Boston. I mean, his 2018 salary was 28.3 million dollars. That's a little you know, given the fact that the Lakers only have about 32 million dollars in space, I can't see that happening. But I mean, I'm looking through the list. I mean, there's plenty of guys here. I mean, you got Robin Lopez who was in Chicago. They might be able to swing. I mean, you've also got his uh, brother Brooke Lopez who was in Milwaukee. I mean, the, the, he was only pay he was only making just over 3.3 million dollars last year that could that might be able to work maybe i mean there's just so much uncertainty about who you can get in there i mean they have almost have to bring rondo back for a league minimum they, yeah they'll have to go get other players for league minimums that's the point we're trying to stress with this and is that going to be enough to contend with the golden states even without clay thompson for a year it's almost going to be like a repeat of when lebron went to miami and it was him bosh and uh wade where they had to do some real funky microsoft excel work in the money to make that work and then anybody else they brought in was like making just about a million dollars and that was about it but the problem you have there and the comparison has to end there you don't have LeBron in his prime emerging. No, I know. No, no, I know. no, 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 yeah. no, no. Which I'm just saying. Yeah. You have Anthony Davis who's emerging if he can stay healthy. Right. No, I'm just saying it's a similar situation in terms of like money. We're like, okay, yeah, you've got these great players who are there, but they're also making a lot of money and it's making things a little interesting on the books. Right. So can they get enough role players to balance out that team? I mean, Kuzma is going to be a great addition, but is yeah. he is he going to be the the big three third piece? Debatable. Yeah, it's debatable. I mean. That's the one smart move I think that Los Angeles did with this deal. But overall, I mean, this just seems absolutely crazy to me. And I know we ran a Facebook poll and everybody's saying they're going to – the majority of voters were saying the the Lakers will be okay. They're going to win at least one championship with this. Right? Yeah. Let's not let's not subscribe to the Lavar Ball school of thought where the Lakers will never win another championship. It's not real. Like we were kind of hinting at in the last segment, though, if the Lakers are going to make a run, and I think they can make a run, barring they sign some more role players and get some more additions than six players on the team. I think this is the best year they have to win everything because it's like we said, Kevin Durant, no matter who he signs with him, even if it's somebody in the West, he's out for the year. Mm-hmm. Clay Thompson is out until at least February. So Golden State is not going to be as much of a threat as they normally are. Uh, you you look at it, Portland, okay, you, might, you should be able to go through Portland. Denver is not going to be able to really contend. Who it, out in the West is really going to be a threat to the Lakers if they have a, a halfway decent team? Well, that's going to be the debatable question because a lot of teams have made some cap space. The, yeah. Cli- the Clippers have, so yeah. if they can get some names over there. If they do pull off getting Kawhi over there, that's a huge addition and yeah. see who follows him there. Yeah. 
And obviously, I mean, Patrick Beverly is a name that's going to be out there too. So depending on where he winds up, because mm-hmm. I, I can't remember off the top of my head as we're looking if he's signed with the Clippers or not going into next season. I know right. there's been talk that he's been rumored. Whatever's going to happen with Houston and obviously the Chris Paul deal. Yeah, if Chris which, Paul wants out of there like if, if the he, worst way possible. Yeah, if he wants out, do does somebody take a shot and bring in him into another team, maybe, maybe bring him back to the Clippers, maybe not. I mean, the, the contract is just the biggest issue with him going into it. So it's really interesting to see what's going to happen there. Plus, you have teams like Sacramento. You have teams like Phoenix. Denver is another one on the rise. I mean, I mm-hmm. think they snuck them on a lot of people this year. Yeah, but yeah. to see what they can do because they have a nice young team there, they can contend again. So the West is not going to be exactly a walkthrough. Let us forget Dallas. Yeah. Who, I mean, they're going to have Donick mm-hmm. and Kristaps yep. if he's healthy and ready to go. And we'll yeah. have to wait and see. Yeah. West is going to be a tough one to win through again. It's also going to be interesting to see though, because it's not going to be like a pencil in, like pencil in Golden State. Everybody else two through eight, we got to figure it out because West is going to be more wide open in terms of like who's going to be where in the seating than it's been in a lot of years. Right. So I mean, there's going to be a, definitely a battle for the throne, so to speak, mm-hmm. to see who's going to wind up winning the West next year is going to be anybody's guess. L.A. went all in, and there's no question that that was the smart move for them to do. But looking at the long-term dealings with how you have to balance out contracts with your roster, yeah. is an aging LeBron and Anthony Davis going to be enough to carry you to the finals to win the chip? For at least a season or two. Yeah, oh, yeah. you got to look long-term, too. Well, long-term. I mean, LeBron is on the year two of his four-year deal. Mm-hmm. He says he's staying put, so I'm going to take him at that. And if he can go and he can still play at a high level, but – that remains to be seen because at this stage in his career, yeah, how long can he keep playing at that high level? Right, that's the debatable argument now. And obviously, going in all in on Anthony Davis while there are other teams rebuilding along in the West, it does help, but is it enough? That's the question. We'll have to wait and see, shall we? Mm-hmm. It'll be very interesting to see. Hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPH. What is your thoughts on the Anthony Davis deal? Are you a fan of it? Are you not? I am not, so we can debate about that. And what do you think the long-term effects are going to be on the Lakers? Who else do you think they add to that team this year with the contract issues? We want to know. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Hey, this is Brian Wolf from Fair City Fire. You are listening to ODPH, the greatest podcast in Binghamton. Woo! Coming back for segment number three on this edition of the ODPH podcast, and we've been talking basketball all show. We're going to continue mm-hmm. to do it because the NBA is dominating the headlines right now. Yes. And as we are going into Thursday, June 20th, it is time for the NBA draft. Yes. Now, Pad, what is the importance of the draft? Well, the draft is kind of like a. It's almost kind of like the with the NFL draft. It's kind of like a starting point. It's kind of like an exciting time for NBA team fans because while your team might not have done so well the last year, they might have been just that close of making it into the playoffs and really making a run for the championship. You just need that one big player, that one key player. The draft is a real good place to go get them and really improve your team. Right. This is, I, I would say, this is probably the second biggest draft in American sports. Yeah. Behind the NFL draft. Yeah, yeah. 
I would say that definitely. I think that the NBA draft has always had a bit of excitement to it. Yeah. Because when you're trying to see who's getting picked in the first round, you usually get a kind of sense of what direction your team is going, but it's not unheard of to trade first-round picks. Well, and it's also not unheard of to trade the rights for said picks in the middle of the draft. I remember watching that a number of times over the years where somebody will get, you know, let's just say, oh, kind of I'm drafted number, you know, nine overall to the Memphis Grizzlies, and then three picks later, uh, before we get to this one, we just found out that the rights to Ken M have been traded from the Memphis Grizzlies to, you know, the Oklahoma City Thunder. Right. It's not unheard of to see this, which I think is a little crazier than what you've usually seen with the NFL draft. Yeah. Because NFL is usually locked and loaded. You don't hear about flipping draft picks as much. But if you take a look at it, even we'll throw it to last year and mm. read off the picks of what happened last year. Yeah, so, of course, number one overall was DeAndre Ayton uh, who from the University of Arizona. Uh, number two to Sacramento was Marvin Bagley from Duke University. Uh, number three was Luka Doncic, uh, who was drafted by Atlanta but later traded to uh, the Dallas, Dallas Mavericks. Mavericks. Uh, number four was Jaron Jackson from Michigan State University. Number five uh, was Trey Young uh, from the University of Oklahoma. Uh, you had Mohamed Bamba from the University of Texas at Austin. Uh, Wendell Carter went number seven from Duke University. Uh, number eight was Colin Sexton from University of Alabama. And then number nine was Kevin Knox from the University of Kentucky. And where did he wind up? Uh, the New York Knicks. That's right. And then uh, rounding out the number 10, you had Mikhail Bridges from Villanova University going to Philly. Now, you take a look at that top 10, and some of those players have really emerged as a superstars. Mm -hmm. I mean, Donick and Trey Young, which I think yeah. will always be tied together for their career. Yeah. Because they were traded on draft night mm -hmm. to Dallas and Atlanta, respectively. To see where their careers go, this is one of the storylines that will always follow from the draft. Because, yeah. like I said, you see a team and they'll take a, a, a player and then they'll flip it and they'll trade with another team. And it's, you're kind of going, well, that's your first-round pick. Why are you flipping? And you kind of really see how teams are looking to take the direction of their teams. Now, eight and out in Arizona, the number one pick, is going to be emerging with Devin Booker and company out there. Mm -hmm. And to see where they go, they should they have a lot of talent on the rise in Phoenix. It's yeah. going to be enough to get over the hump. Yeah. But as we take a look at this draft, and obviously this draft had a ton of headlines leading into the draft lottery. Because this was the first time the Knicks were in contention. Star forward from Duke, Zion Williamson, was eligible. And everybody was waiting to see because he's arguably going to be the number one pick. Mm -hmm. And the number one pick wound up going to New Orleans. Yes. So looking at this, we'll break down the top five. So obviously New Orleans has the number one pick. They mm -hmm. do have the number four as we are recording yep. via, via the trade with the Lakers. Yep. Uh, Pat, who do you think they're taking? I think they're going to go with Zion because you just traded away Anthony Davis. You need a big man down low. Zion is a once-in-a-generational type player. I mean, I can't remember the last time that we weren't even in the draft and people were already penciling him in for Rookie of the Year. Yeah, this is definitely going to be interesting to watch because Zion is coming in with a ton of hype from Duke. Rightfully so. He's uh, not, yeah, is not, yeah. is not unjustified. But the pressure is going to be on him to deliver and to be the next superstar entering the NBA. And I think he can do that, obviously. He's going to be around a young nucleus of players down in New Orleans if he stays there. Now, it would take a lot to move him mm -hmm. and to move to get the number one pick. Mm -hmm. I am still holding out hope that the Knicks somehow pull this off. I don't know that they can do it, if they can jump up from three. But either way... 
Zion is arguably going to be the number one pick for some team. I mean, listen, if the Avengers can go out and stop Thanos and, and change the snap, there's a way for the Knicks to get Zion. That's what I'm saying. I'm not giving up hope yet. Coach Duffy, like we said, is lurking down around Madison Square Garden. I don't know if he's going to try getting into the draft room and make some calls. We'll have to wait and see. But then going to the number two pick is belongs to the Memphis Grizzlies. Mm-hmm. Now, Pat, do you have any feelings on this one? I think they might go with uh, Jay Moran. It's, it's, a, it's a position they need. He's one of the most electric players to really kind of come out of college. And, and what I'm definitely interested to see how he adapts and, and grows in the NBA. I have to agree with you. Obviously, trading Michael uh, Connolly there mm-hmm. to Utah today. This has definitely cleared the room for it. Morant, it would be a perfect fit for Memphis and to see what they want to do down there. So it, it's going to be a rebuild, and he's definitely somebody you can definitely build around. And obviously the future is looking kind of bright for Memphis. I mean, they're going to go through the rebuilding phase, right. but we'll have to see what happens right. out of that. And, it, and it's not going to be a fast rebuild. It might be something akin to like the, you know, the Philadelphia 76ers where they, you know, they were building slowly but surely, but now they're really kind of coming into it. So, I mean, if you're a fan of the Memphis Grizzlies or you're down in the Memphis area, you know, it might not be the best year, but hey, look forward. You got a lot of good years ahead of you. Right. So let's get to number three, my beloved New York Knicks. Mm-hmm. Had who you think they're taking? I think they're going to go with R.J. Barrett. I mean, it, it seems from everything we've been reading and everything we've been hearing, despite the fact that they're working on other players, because let's be honest, you'd be dumb not to, you know, because who knows what the heck's going to happen on NBA draft night. It's one of the fun things about the NBA draft is you never know what's going to happen. You think somebody's going to go one place, but it may not happen. I think they're going with R.J. Barrett. If the Knicks stay at number three and they don't do anything foolish like trade back or unless they pull off the miracle and trade up, to go get Zion, they're going to take R.J. Barrett. I don't see R.J. going to either New Orleans or Memphis with a one or two pick, nothing against him. I think he'll be a perfect fit in New York. He's definitely got a lot of potential. And for the Knicks and their rebuilding, because especially they're going to have some cap space, if they do sign Kevin Durant, which I think they're still going to do, I think that he is definitely leaving Golden State. Mm-hmm. And I think that he will definitely come to the East Coast and I guess you could say red shirt like uh, yeah. football players do. Yeah. And just kind of wait his time to take over for the Knicks. I think that Barrett will be perfect for New York. He's definitely got a little chip on his shoulder, so to speak, because I know, especially anybody that's not named Zion in this draft, mm-hmm. has got a little chip because all the focus and media attention has been on him. Rightfully deserved. Oh, my God. Yeah. It's like I saw the photo today from it must have been like media day for the NBA draft. And I can't remember who the player was, but there was a player at a booth next to Zion. And, and the media attention for Zion looked like Tom Brady in a locker room after an NFL game. Just all the people there. And this other player is just sitting there like nobody's talking to him. Mm-hmm. And that's I think, is going to definitely fire up some players. And I think Barrett, too. Especially Barrett has kind of flown under the radar, so to speak. I mean, everybody coming out of the Duke draft class this year mm-hmm. has almost flown under the radar because of Zion. And it's nothing against how they play. No. It's just Zion has that much talent. That has overshadowed everybody, so to yeah, speak, in a yeah. lot of a lot of teams' eyes. But I do think that if Barrett does come to New York, he'll definitely be a welcome addition. And obviously, the Knicks are going to be going through their rebuilding phase. Why not rebuild with Barrett? That makes mm-hmm. a lot of sense to me. So as we flip to number four, mm-hmm. now this is tentatively New Orleans' pick, unless they make some moves. Yep. You have any feeling on what's going to happen here? 
Uh, I, I don't know. A lot of people are thinking Darius Garland, point guard from Vanderbilt. But I mean, it's like you said, they've already got Mike Conley down there. That ah, do they really need another point guard? I don't think so. I think they're going to look at DeAndre Hunter, uh, the power forward from Virginia. I look at their depth chart. I mean, they've got Jaron Jackson Jr. currently listed as their power forward. No disrespect to him, but I think it's a position they can easily get better while keeping Jaron Jackson Jr. there as you know, just some backup in case you know, or some time to f- uh, float out when DeAndre Hunter needs some. Uh, some rest minutes, but I think they're going to go with uh, DeAndre Hunter. I have to go with Garland out of Vanderbilt. I, I, I think that either pick it would be good for him, that if New Orleans decides to stay there. And obviously, if they want to trade down, because I know Atlanta was trying to make some noise about coming up there, mm-hmm. because I believe Atlanta's trading at, what, 8-10? and 8-10, and 10, yeah. They, yeah, they want to make some moves to get up, and they, they must have their eye on somebody. They got their eye on somebody because there was even reports that they had talked to the New York Knicks about trading for the number 3 overall pick, and the Knicks said no. Yeah, which I think the Knicks are smart about doing, and I, yeah. I know I've been very critical this, this past year of the Knicks, but I think it's a smart move. Keep three unless you can flip that to get to one. Mm-hmm. There's no other reason to trade down. None. Especially if you want to try enticing free agents to come to New York. Because if you can't do it, you definitely have to build through the draft. And they do have a nice young team they can yeah. build off of. Yeah. And, I mean, I've even heard some kind of tra- crazy trade talk that don't doubt the Knicks trading with Washington for Bradley Beal. Okay. That I hear they might trade uh, Frank uh, Ninakinta. Practical, yeah, something like that. I always butcher his name. I apologize. Coach gets it better, done better than us. Yes. I think that they might do that with some picks. So that would be the only thing I could kind of see. Yeah. And obviously, if they get Beal to the Garden, I think that would be huge. Mm-hmm. And then that, I like I say, I don't think you necessarily need to kind of get rid of some max cap space. But if they can make that move happen, sure. But if New Orleans decides to stay here, I th- I'd like Garland there. I, d- I definitely think that he could definitely add something mm-hmm. to a very young team that's going to be on the rise. So going to number five, it is Cleveland. Mm-hmm. Any feelings here? Uh, I think doing a little flipping of four and five, I think it's going to be Darius Garland, uh, point guard from Vanderbilt. Uh, I look at the Cleveland depth chart. They've got Colin Sexton currently listed as their starter. Matthew Delanadova listed as their second. And Brandon Knight, yes, he's still alive after DeAndre Jordan just absolutely dunked on him a couple of years ago. Uh, but, I mean, I'm looking at their stats. Uh, Colin Sexton averaged 16.7 points uh, last year. Delon Adova averaged 5.9 points uh, last season, and then Brandon Knight averaged 6.8, 6.8 points per game last season. That is clearly a position that needs an upgrade. And, I mean, let's be honest, they're, you know Cleveland needs somebody to build around. LeBron is gone. There's not really anybody jumping out at me on their starting five. I mean, yeah, you got Kevin Love and Tristan Thompson, but like you need that star player that, like, okay, we build around him. Uh, I'm going to go, like, I agree with your point. I mean, you definitely brought that up. But I think looking at that roster, and that's what I'm going with, I think they are moving Kevin Love. Okay. And I think they're going to replace him with Cam Reddish from Duke. That would also be a smart move. So, and I mean, Reddish, I mean, I don't want to say his high risk, high reward. Mm-hmm. But he has shown some uncertainty in his game here and there during clutch times. Yeah. So that one, though, for Cleveland, I don't think would hurt them as badly. No. As a pick. I mean, just going into it and kind of seeing, all right, if you're going to lose Kevin Love, you got to have somebody that's going to be willing to really run with it and really kind of make something happen. And I think that he can definitely do that. I think that uh, Reddish is ready to go for that. And, you know, what is going to happen with him in that Cleveland spotlight? It's not going to be as intense because it's Cleveland and the expectations are currently down right now. Right. That's just it's how it is. It's not a slight against Cleveland by any, any means. But the LeBron era is definitely over, 
So now it's like, okay, where do we go from here? Mm -hmm. And that's where you kind of have to figure out and go, okay, if you want to build in the draft and kind of see what you can develop, sure. Yeah. Because I don't know. I mean, they're definitely not going to get a max contract there by any means. No. But can they build from the draft there? And if they can, with Reddish, if he can definitely show some signs and progress, I mean, he can definitely do it, but he just has to develop an NBA game. Mm -hmm. And that's what he's got to, but he's got to have the will to do it too. Yeah. So going into number six, Number six pick is with the Phoenix Suns. Uh, I think they're going to, you know, a lot of people at this point, if you're going by best available, would think they would go with Jarrett Culver for a Texas Tech a shooting guard. I don't think they need a shooting guard because, I mean, they've got Devin Booker a shooting guard. Do you really need to replace Devin Booker? No. Uh, I think in, in uh, instead they would go with Cam Reddish, a uh, small forward from Duke. Uh, their current small forward is TJ Warren. I think if you pair, though, if you pair Devin Booker and then DeAndre Ayton and then Cam Reddish, that is a really good threesome, a young threesome that you can have going in the NBA and really get some exciting things going on in Phoenix. I have to agree with you. I mean, I think with Devin Booker there, you don't need a shooting guard because I know Cul- no. Culver's name has been tagged there. In fact, I have him going next to the Chicago Bulls. At seven, but I'll even flip this and say Colby White from North Carolina. Okay, as a point guard, he's definitely a guy that can really take control of a game. And if you look at his minutes and points per game for Carolina, he is definitely somebody that will set the tempo and set the pace. And when you have such an athletic team out in Phoenix, that's what you need to do. You got to jump out there, you got to go early, and you got to go hit them hard. And especially in that West which is no slouch by any means. We've already talked about the teams out there. Phoenix now needs to really start making something happen with all this top talent. If this isn't going to be the year, I don't know when it's going to be. Mm-hmm. And it's nothing against, like I said, with White coming into the team. This is not going to be on him. But when you look at Devin Booker out there and you look at Aiton out there, this is the time. They have the nucleus there. Make something happen. Yeah. And that's why I said I think with White entering there – I think would be a better fit. I mean, Culver can definitely play some defense, and that yeah. and that helps huge. Yeah. But if you want to get that points going, and you really kind of want to have a a very hot run and gun shooting team, that's the one you go get, mm-hmm. in my opinion. So seven, looking at the Bulls, uh, you heard my pick. So yeah, I will remind me again. Who did you say was going uh, to the Bulls? Um, I had was it Jared Culver from uh, Texas Tech? Yes. Okay. I, well, the thing of it is, is I, I don't disagree with you. He's a shooting guard. They currently have Zach Levine as a shooting guard, so I don't think they necessarily need to upgrade on Zach Levine. Uh, I mean, I'm looking at their their uh, depth chart. They've got Chris Dunn at point guard, Zach Levine at shooting guard, Otto Porter Jr. at uh, small forward, power forward is Laurie Marks uh, Markin, and then Robin Lopez is their center. I think this might be where you f- see the first international player get drafted in. Uh, and I apologize. I'm going to butcher this name, uh, Siku Dumbuya uh, from Guinea, who is listed as a power forward. Because as it looks, according to ESPN.com and their depth chart for the Chicago Bulls, they've got one player listed on their depth chart for power forward. So that is a clear need that they have. But what I'm saying is they're going to take it because they're going to flip the pick to Atlanta. Okay, I can see that. So that's why I said I think Jared Culver ultimately winds up in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. And I think the Bulls will definitely trade. Uh, I think you're going to kind of see some moving around second-round picks. I mean, just to flip it for one position, I don't think it's going to end the world, so to speak. No. And I could definitely see them going on again at Jackson Hayes from Texas. Okay. So, you know, center to, you know, definitely build up underneath the basket. And, it, I mean, you can never have too much help down underneath. No, absolutely not. 
So then going into the number eight pick, I mean, I already said we're flipping picks, so Pat? Yeah, so as it stands right now, the eighth pick is to the Atlanta Hawks. I mean, I'm looking at their depth chart. They've got a clear need at shooting guard. I mean, they've got Kent Bazemore listed as their current starting shooting guard, average 11.6 points per game. So definitely need an improvement there. So I could maybe see him going with uh, Kobe White from North Carolina shooting guard. But at the same token, I also look at their depth chart, and they've got Vince Carter listed as uh, a small forward, which he has said this year is going to be his last year so i think you definitely need to bring somebody in it'd be real smart i think for the hawks to bring somebody a small forward in have him play behind vince carter for a year because the man has played for two decades oh yeah definitely it's a genius move to have him play behind vince carter a man who has played for two decades and have him just learn the game from vince carter put him in for playing time have vince get his playing time it's a win-win situation i think so if they choose to go that route i could see him going with uh nasser little from north carolina small forward so i think no matter what Somebody from North Carolina is going off the board at this point. All right, fair enough. Number nine pick goes to Washington. Pat, mm-hmm. who you got there? Uh, I think the wa- the Washington Wizards. I look at their depth chart. You know, they've got a, they've got a lot of needs. I mean, they've got Bradley Beal for now, assuming they don't trade him at shooting guard. They've also got Trevor Ariza at small forward. But I think one of the things they need is they you need somebody down low to really help with the defense and stop guys from driving to the basket and really scoring some hoops. So I think they're going to go with Jackson Hayes, center from Texas, to really help out down low and establish some dominant defense. I mean, Washington can use a lot of moves to happen here, so it's kind of debatable where they're going to go. I definitely like them taking Little out of North Carolina, the small forward. Yeah. I think that that would kind of help them because, obviously, with John Wall being on the bench, you would want to think that maybe they would go guard here. Mm -hmm. And, obviously, whatever is going to happen with Beal, because, like I said, I could see him definitely going with the Knicks uh, in a trade. But we'll have to wait and see, so... But I'm going to say if everything stays tack quo for Washington, Little's their guy. Mm-hmm. And the round out the top 10. This is Atlanta's second pick, as we say. Yep, assuming they hold on to it because Lord knows you never know what will happen on draft night. Uh, I think they might go with whatever North Carolina guy they don't get in their first time round if they're still there. I mean, they have a clear need at both positions, both shooting guard and small forward. I think if they can pull it off and swing it, they'll get one, and then two picks later, get the other guy. It's the smartest move for them. I have to agree with you on the sense that I don't think you're going to see anything too crazy from Atlanta. I mean, they got a lot of moving power if they want to with those two picks at 8 and 10. Uh, this one, though, I see them taking DeAndre Hunter. Okay. That I know I said, even though they trade with Chicago, I think it's going to be kind of more of a back-end second-round picks just to move up one spot. It's not going to be anything super crazy. But I definitely like Hunter going to Atlanta here. I think he can only help them. And, I mean, obviously the rest of the draft is kind of wide open after that because this is where you find the diamonds in the rough. Giannis mm-hmm. was taken, I believe, what, 15th? Kawhi was yeah. taken 13th yeah. at, one t- at one point, even by Indiana. I would say, you know, for every LeBron James and, and whatever have you, number one overall pick, Zion Williamson, number one overall pick, there's always that one guy that, like, you look down, like, they emerge as a huge star and a big breakout star and, and what have you, and then, like, you – the name kind of gets lost in between when they get drafted and when they have their emergence. And then it's like, oh, yeah, this guy was drafted, you know, whatever overall. And you're like, holy crap, how did that many guys get picked ahead of him? Mm -hmm. It's always uh, an interesting time of the draft, especially the reactions. Yeah. I mean, especially from the Knicks fans that are in attendance. So this could be a little crazy. I mean, it depends on what happens in free agency between now and then. If they make the announcement of a trade for Beal, that would make Mm -hmm. a lot of sense. If it winds up that they move up to get Zion at number one, that roof will come off that place like nobody's business. I mean, the only thing that could offset them is if Brooklyn decides to announce that they're going to sign Kyrie Irving and Al Horford. That'd be wild. Both, which has been rumored to be happening. There's so many rumors happening around free agency that will impact the draft. I mean, Mm -hmm. this is just an interesting time to be in the NBA because we're going to recap that next week. Plus, then we got to start bracing for June 30th. 
because when we go right into free agency and that time clock is going to hit, yep, Twitter is going to explode that day. Speaking of Twitter, draft night Thursday, Coach Duffy will be on the ODPH Twitter at OD Parlay Hour giving his live reaction to all the picks. And depending how the night goes, that could be must-see internet TV. Exactly, because depending on how the Knicks do, this might be a one-and-done after number three or if they decide to do something crazy. Coach Duffy is always entertaining on the Twitter, so definitely make sure to give a follow, give a like, and definitely pay attention and interact with him because he's definitely going to have some hot takes that night Uh without question. But definitely hit us up before then on those social medias. You can find all those at OchoDuroParleyHour.com. What is your take on the NBA draft this year? Who do you think is going number one? Who do you think is going where? How is your team looking? We want to know. Interact with us. Hit us up on that hashtag. Hashtag ODPH. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. The ODPH is proud sponsors of Robocon 2019, happening September 28th and 29th. Don't miss out on Binghamton, New York's biggest sci-fi, fantasy, and gaming convention of the year. For badge details and more info, check out robercon.org. Coming back for the final segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast, let's kick it off with that Local Minute, shall we, Pad? Well, Local Minute, of course, we're talking a little bit of Binghamton Rumble Ponies news. Uh, last week, they had a three-game series at home against the Trenton Thunder, so a little minor league subway series action. Uh, they t- well, lost that series uh, two games to one. They took the first game seven to six and lost the f- following two games. Then they had uh, were supposed to have a three-game series against the Altoona Curve. Uh, they lost the first two games, and then the game on Sunday, unfortunately, was postponed due to rain. The makeup will be June. June 29th. Uh, as for this week, they've got a three-game series at New Hampshire uh, where they won the first game and they've got the final two remaining games uh, still to come. And they return home this weekend uh, for a three-game series against Richmond. Uh, more information, bingrp.com. So shall we get rounding those bases? Mm-hmm. All right. So would you like to lead off or would you like me? Sure, I'll lead off. Okay. Uh, I had a bit of b- interesting baseball news happen last week, and there was a trade in Major League Baseball. Uh, the New York Yankees traded for Ed, uh, with the Seattle Mariners for Edwin Encarnacion. Now, this is very notable because if you look at the American League uh, home run leader, that is one Edwin Encarnacion, who, as we record, has 22 home runs, uh, a two ahead of Mike Trout of the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. Uh, this is very notable because if you look at that line, they, so they traded uh, him for a minor league pitcher named Juan Thet. Then or then I'm not quite sure how that's pronounced. And then cash considerations. Uh, this is very notable because of, you know, like I said, he's the AL home runs leader as we record. But that also makes that lineup very scary uh, because now we have Giancarlo Stanton coming back, coming back for the Yankees. Aaron Judge could be back by the end of the week, if not a couple of days from now. But if you look at this potential lineup, you've got DJ LeMahieu, who would more than likely play third. You've got Luke Voigt, who would be first base, and on the days he needs off, you could off. Sw- uh, swap Encarnacion in there because while Encarnacion will be the DH, he's also got experience at first base. Uh, Aaron Hicks would be your center fielder. Gary Sanchez is your would be your catcher. It sounds like uh, from what I have the kind of beat writers down in New York I've been reading, it sounds like they would move uh, Giancarlo Stanton into left field 
Uh, Brett Gardner is currently playing left field, but it sounds like he might move to the bench with the parts they got coming in. Uh, you would have Encarnacion DHing. Uh, Didi Gregorius would stay at shortstop. Glaber Torres would stay at second base. And then right field would be Aaron Judge. But, I mean, you're looking at a potential lineup with uh, Glaber Torres, who is just hitting the cover off of the baseball of late. I mean, he's sitting here with a 283 average, 16 home runs, and 40 RBIs. And he might be hitting near the bottom of the lineup. That's insane. It's just absolutely insane to see. It's just, you know, it, it's an exciting time in baseball. We're getting near the All-Star break, near the Home Run Derby. The trade deadline's right around the corner. Baseball's really heating up, and I'm really getting excited. Definitely a good time to see that happening because when you when you start hitting the halfway point of baseball, mm-hmm. that's when stuff really starts picking up. Yep. You know, it's almost like when the NBA goes to Christmas Day and the like, yeah. season really starts. Almost kind of the same vibe with the Major League Baseball yeah. in the All-Star break. So. Yeah. Be fun time to watch, especially if you're a Yankees fan, mm-hmm. and see whatever you know, whatever your team is doing. Definitely hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPH, because we especially got to talk to our favorite uh, Milwaukee Brewers fan. Yes, because he has a hot take he wants to do for a blog. So Uh-oh. we'll have to see if we can get Mr. Pachano on for that. Going into my round in the bases, if we had the rights to play Gloria, I would be blaring them at ignorant levels right now. Mm-hmm. But we don't. But we have to talk a little NHL action. And congratulations to the St. Louis Blues. As predicted by yours truly on the show last week, they won Game 7. Well, predicted by you and the guy who won like 100 grand off of that game. And if he wants to cut me a check for helping him, that's all right. <laughs> it's up to him. But they did win 4-1 to one in a crucial Game 7 at Boston. And Jordan Binghamton stopped 32 shots to seal the deal. St. Louis jumped out early. It was a 2 nothing lead after the first period, and they never looked back. Very back-and-forth game. It was everything you wanted to see in a Game 7. and Oh, it was wild. It, it was wild. But this is like why I think hockey playoffs are just incredible. Mm-hmm. The NHL, because they do the handshake after, the tradition still is there. And, I mean, the post-cup celebration. Yeah. I mean, what can you say about I say, it? I can say it had one of the best moments in sports of all year, if not of the the young century. Uh, of course, if you're a sports fan, you you know you're familiar with uh, Layla Anderson, an 11 year old who was battling a life threatening autoimmune disease. That she's one of only a few children in the world who have this disease, and she's really become a St. Louis Blues fan, and she's really rooting for the Blues. And you know they become she's become a rallying point for the Blues. I mean, and to the point where like they were bringing her to St. Louis Blues playoff games is like. Hey, you're our motivation. Let's go. But, you know, she found out, I think it was like the day before, a couple days before game seven in the Stanley Cup finals that like the the Blues were flying her to Boston to see the game. And she's like, wait, really? And her mom goes, yeah, doctor okayed it. And then for her to have her moment on the ice with the players and to like kiss the cup was one of the coolest things I've ever seen in sports. Just simply kudos to the St. Louis Blues. I mean, that was one of the best moments in sports you're ever going to see. Mm-hmm bar none so congratulations out to st louis and if we are going to be talking hockey we got to talk the nhl draft Mm -hmm. which is happening friday june 21st now you know i will be definitely locked and loaded because my beloved new york rangers are picking number two Mm -hmm. this is going to be a fun draft to see and i mean like i said capo caco is coming Mm -hmm. i probably butchered his name You'll, but, you'll have enough time to learn it. But I'm going to learn it. I'm going to have it memorized because they've been making moves. Rangers Town, are we ready? Blue Shirt Nation, stand up. We're definitely going to be rocking. 
Because when Kako gets to town, it's going to be absolutely out of control. I mean, there's a chance Jersey might take him at one, but I think they're going to take Jack Hughes there, and then we go from there down the rest of the line. The NHL draft, I would say, is probably a little more low-key yeah. on, uh, in comparison to the other drafts. I mean, they do have the, their own kind of ceremonies as well, and it's, it's a very unique experience, too. But I am telling you this, it's going to be exciting to see the draft picks come, especially to New York. The Rangers have been making some moves. I am excited to talk hockey next year. And obviously for our local affiliate, the Binghamton Devils, they got to be happy, obviously, supporting the New Jersey team who has a number one pick. Mm-hmm. Whatever happens with that is going to be amazing, too. It's just going to be a fun time to have to you know in the summertime Yes, to balance out. That's all we got for this week. So for Padawan J. Thank you, thank you. I'm your host, Ken M. Thank you, as always, for listening to the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour podcast. We'll see you next time.